All right, after waiting more than 10 months for a Rangers regular season game, you got about the worst game you could possibly imagine as they lose opening night at the Garden 4 nothing to the rival Islanders. And uh, it was a quick game. It was essentially over three minutes and 52 seconds into the game when they went down 2 nothing. You just can't go down two goals to the Islanders, especially within the first four minutes of the game. You can't give up the first goal less than three minutes into the game, power play goal, thanks to a... Um, inexplicable unnecessary lazy jack johnson penalty uh who didn't sort of uh you know welcome himself to rangers fans the way he had hoped with his performance on opening night and then to be down three nothing at 13 31 into the game that's it two goals against the islanders is too is really too much to overcome three is impossible and the rangers lose the opening night for nothing a route in the sense when you consider that the islanders offensive abilities you know they're known for their defense they're known for their style under barry trotz but uh, to give up four goals, to not score with the offensive firepower that the Rangers have, a miserable night. They were outshot, out hit. They lost more faceoffs. They had eight penalties to three, um, less blocked shots. They just didn't win any aspect of the game except for miserable play, uh, and that'll get you a loss. And you can't stack these losses. Uh, you know, I wrote about this at Keith to the City. You cannot stack losses in this season. In a 56-game season where you're going to need to average 1.2 points per game, uh, you're going to need uh, t- you know, the Bruins or Capitals or Penguins or Flyers to falter to make the playoffs. You can't stack losses. And the Rangers will play the Islanders again on Saturday night at the Garden. Uh, this back-to-back, we're going to see this a lot this year. So a lot of uh, things will carry over. A lot of things will linger. There'll be some chances for renewed rivalries. Um, you know, you'll see some chippy games along the way, which is awesome. But these losses can't be stacked. The Rangers need to come out on Saturday and have a huge performance. You start to get into two, three, four game losing streaks in a 56-game season, your season will end pretty quickly. And in this East Division, with the Bruins and the Islanders and the Flyers and the Capitals and the Penguins and the Sabres and the Devils, there's no days off. The Devils took the Bruins to overtime on opening night into a shootout, lost in a shootout. The Sabres nearly came back uh, down a few goals to to the Capitals, and and those teams are much improved, like the Rangers, you'd hope. And then you've got the other teams, which are sort of the elite teams in the league. There's no days off, there's no games off, and performances like Thursday night's opener cannot happen consistently. They just can't. If this team wants to get back to the postseason, if they want to take that next step in their rebuild... They're going to need to change a lot of things <laughs> very quickly uh, because on Saturday night they'll play the Islanders again. And the Islanders look like they haven't missed a beat since their Eastern Conference uh, defeat to the Lightning. They're a team that has had time together. They've had time to gel. They don't have as many young players as the Rangers. They didn't necessarily need a training camp. They didn't need preseason games to figure it out. You could see it. They looked like postseason, midseason form Islanders. The Rangers, they looked awful. They look like the team that opened October last year with terrible play, a team that lost five in a row at that point, six to seven really in the early on in the season, not the team that won 16 to 22 to get back into the postseason picture. Uh, but it is one game. It's the smallest of sample sizes. It's just hard not to harp on it because there has been such a lack of Rangers hockey for nearly a year that you get excited, then you get that letdown performance, and that's all you know at this point is one game. So it's hard not to overreact to the things you saw, and the things everyone saw were terrible. No one really played well. Um, so they got to change it, and they got to change it quick, and, they, and they're going to have to do that all season. There's not many days off. It's pretty much every other day all the way through. And again, they'll have the Islanders on Saturday night for game two of the season at the Garden. And 
Brian Mons of WFAN joining me to talk about opening night at the Garden, the Rangers' loss. So let's get to it. All right, and joining me today to talk about the Rangers' disappointing and embarrassing opening night loss to the Islanders is Brian Monzo of WFAN. Monzo, how's it going today? Oh, it's been better, but I'm <laughs> prepared not to overreact to one game. I'll do my best, though. Yeah, it's tough with the, a one-game sample size, even though that's the only game we have to go off of in 10 months in a day uh, or two days now. But, you know, those three games in August, they feel like they were a lifetime ago. They feel like they, they were kind of fake in a standpoint because the Rangers hadn't played in four months. They played three games, they're out. So to go back to almost a year now since they really played and to have that kind of effort, a little disappointing to wait all this time. But like you said, it is one game. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was also just weird in that it was really just one period because if you if you went off the second and third, well, there were moments they were being outplayed. It was a pretty even game. Um, but, yeah, looking at that first period, and, you know, I, I think this is one of those things where you have a young team, you have still a relatively new coach, you know, it's his third year with the NHL. But um, it, it really, I think it speaks to when you have a young team, you know, you need a full training camp, you need preseason games, because you don't have time to make adjustments. You know, they had their week and a half, and now they're playing. And what drives me nuts about Quinn, and it drives me nuts about almost every coach, and the Rangers coaches always seem to do this, is when things don't click in five shifts, they start changing things around. And that drives me nuts. And he did it again game one. He was moving guys around. I understand when Rudy went down, he had to make adjustments. But to me, these guys don't have a chance. It's bad enough they didn't have a training camp. They had no preseason games to get going. You're going to give these guys a couple shifts, and if you know you find yourself down early, you know making adjustments. Uh, those are not the adjustments you make. The adjustments you make are how you're playing on the ice and you know style of play. Not so much let's put this guy with this guy. Let's put Lock here with Taco. Let's 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 do this. Let's stick Andre Miller. Let's play. I mean, it's just let him play. Let him play. And I, that's what kind of drove me nuts about uh, the first game and the first loss. Yeah, for adjustments, usually it takes a two-goal deficit for him to start putting Panarin with Zibanejad and try to get something going there. He didn't do that. I thought we might see it right away because a two-goal deficit to the Islanders is like five goals to a normal team, and a three-goal deficit to them is game over. And to go down two goals, 352 into the game, um, the first one thanks to a Jack Johnson lazy, unnecessary penalty wasn't ideal. So, I mean, there's, there's the case you can make. You could have turned the game off four minutes into the game. Yeah, but, you know, when you have players like Panarin and Zibanejad and, uh, you know, Kreider and Bushnabit, you know, there's so much depth despite the result of last night that you really never feel – I mean, look, when it, when it was 3 nothing going into the third, I obviously knew they were going to lose, and, uh, and I was just, you know, hoping they put a couple goals on the board to make it exciting. That never happened, but, you know, it's a process. You know, you can see that the Islanders, you know, are just so well coached, and it's a boring style of play. Um, but, you know, it's impossible to come back on them. And they had range that opportunities, you know, but they didn't have any two-on-ones. They didn't have any three-on-twos. Uh, they particularly weren't doing a great job screening. Uh, Varlamov, Tony D'Angelo was the only one really shooting the puck whenever he could. Adam Fox passed up basically breakaways. Um, <laughs> so all in all, it's a, a disappointing first game, but really an overall disappointing first period because, you know, that game's one nothing going into the second. I think it's a different story. You didn't get any saves from Shesterkin, who was really – pretty solid in the second and third period just you know in that first period he just didn't make that extra safe for him yeah and you talk about the islanders and how they are well coached and 
they're sort of in their window now. I don't know how long their window will last given their roster and their depth, but I think for Rangers fans, because of the way they finished the regular season last year with that you know, 16 wins and 22-game stretch, um, and then to get into the playoffs with the expanded field, even though they didn't fare well there, I think there's this idea in, in Rangers fans' minds that maybe this team is farther along than it actually is. Um, and certainly it's one game, but you know, playing in this division with the Islanders and the Capitals and the Penguins and the Bruins and the Flyers, uh, it's it's going to be tough sledding for them all season. And they really don't get any nights off. And if you expect the Devils and Sabres to be improved, they're really not going to get any nights off. So um, I don't know. I feel like it was just a reminder last night of, of how far away this team still is. Yeah, I, I do think that the lesser nights off and the more games is actually going to work better for them. Um, I just think these guys need to play, um, especially without the training camp and getting their legs under them. Because when they got their legs under them in the second, late in the first, you know, I noted how you know what took them about 18 minutes to get going, and as soon as they created some opportunities, the period ended. So I, I'm confident that once you know when they play more, when they have more games, um, you know, they get more practices underneath them. You know, they'll transition and play how we expect them to play. I mean, are they the best team in the division or in the top three? Not yet. Um, but by the end of the year, you know, I expect them to make the playoffs because I, I know the talent's there. You know the talent's there. I mean, when you have a guy like Panarin and you have Mika Zibanejad and you expect guys like Kako to improve and Adam Fox to build off their rookie seasons, you know, the talent's there. Um, and Shesterkin's going to be fine, and Georgiev's a really solid 1A so, I mean, I feel confident in the team. It was just a very disappointing first period for the first game. Yeah, and with this offense and the players they have, you don't expect them to get shut out, but that's not unusual playing the Islanders or their defensive style of play. Um, and you look at the defense, you know, the defense was pretty awful in the first period. Um, certainly the first goal was a power play goal, but uh, Shesterkin should have the Barcel goal after he inside outs Tony D'Angelo. Uh, but the defense just overall gave up a lot of chances, and I think that's just, you know, what we've come to know the defense as being since really the, the post-lockout era 15, 16 years ago. Uh, and for all the the complaining about Lindy Ruff over these last few years, maybe it wasn't him after all. No, it's just that's the game. I mean, with the exception of the Islanders, really, and a couple of other teams, I mean, you're always going to be able to create opportunities and, uh, you know, breakaways, two-on-ones, three-on-twos, and, um, you know, you expect your goalie to make a few saves. Just did not last night, but, and, I, and look, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't love to admit when I'm wrong, um, but, man, I was, I, I, I was wrong about Jack Johnson. One, I, I can tell you after one game. And it wasn't that I thought he was going to come in and be a good ranger. It's just I thought he'd be a 6'7", presence in the locker room, and you know he wouldn't be playing a ton of nights. But uh, Brendan Smith is a thousand times better than, than Jack Johnson. And how Jack Johnson got the call last night to play and play 20-plus minutes, I mean, I, I, nobody single-handedly cost you a game for sure. But he single-handedly cost them any opportunity to be involved early and to make a comeback. And that, that's what he did last night. I hate pointing out players and, and destroying players, but it was as bad a performance you get. You know, he should not – he should be on waivers, uh, you, know, <laughs> by, you know, today. And it's just – Brendan Smith is, is such a – and for all the issues Brendan Smith has as he gets older, he is not a defensive liability like Jack Johnson is. No, and – 
after all the years of bad contracts for defensemen, whether it's Dan Girardi or Mark Stahl and not signing the right guys, whether it be Strawman or Yandel and screwing up their defense, defensive units for years, they finally cleared all that by getting rid of Stahl and then they bring in Jack Johnson. So it's like just compounding the issue. And you're right. He was awful. And, and right from the get go, that penalty early on leads to the Brock Nelson goal. That sort of set the tone. And it, it's, you know, the Islanders, you can't let them get the first goal. And, and once you're down one, nothing, you're one goal away from the game being over. And like yeah, and, yeah, and you definitely terrible. can't let him get the second. You definitely can't let him get the second or third goal, <laughs> or the fourth for that matter. And, and he was and he was single handedly involved in, in two of those, and and the game is out of reach at that point. So, um, yeah, that was that was the frustrating thing. I mean, look, I, I try. I watched the game quickly right, again right after, um, you know, because I record the games and go back and I just look for any kind of positives. And I, and I think some of the positives you take out of the game were just Sturkin in the second and third periods. I thought he was solid. You know, you like how he moves the puck. Um, I thought, and this is, I like Quinn as a coach, but I don't understand how outside, Mika was Mika, um, Panarin, and Booch, I thought were your three best forwards overall. Uh, I thought that the third and for the fourth and fifth best forwards last night were Julian Gauthier and Capo Caco, and they played 11 minutes or under. And I understand special teams get involved. But, I mean, when guys are playing, I mean, Kako can't hit the net if his life depended on it. But he creates oppor- he created opportunity. He found open space. Um, you know, just doing that creates opportunity for others. And Julian Gauthier was driving to the net. Again, he just seems like a guy who's snake-bitten, still looking for his first NHL goal. But, you know, he has that nose for the net and getting there into his big body. And these guys barely played. I mean, that's just – I mean – you, you got to recognize that when they're doing things and creating opportunity, and Ryan Strom isn't, you got to play guys over other guys. Yeah. And I understand that we're talking going back to me alternating lines. That's so much not that's not so much changing up lines, moving things around, but getting those guys' lines out there more. And that's not he, he wasn't doing that. You're very much, you know, last thing on, on Jack Johnson, but you're very much a process guy. You're never, uh, I feel like when we talk, you're never really like urgency. You're never overreacting. But for you to just be destroying this guy one game in, that, that says a lot. Well, it's not, it's not like you look, K. Andre Miller struggled last night, but I understand that's going to come with the territory with a young player. Uh, even Adam Fox, you know, had, had didn't have a great game, you know, for Adam Fox's standards. But these guys are part of the process. Jack Johnson's a body. I understood, I understood the idea of bringing in a veteran defenseman, you know, a presence in the locker room, an extra guy for practice, gets in if somebody's hurt. But, I mean, he played 20 minutes last night against the Islanders. Uh, on, you know, when you have, you know, other options. And that's just to me. And he clearly it got exposed. It took five minutes. And that's the problem, you know, when you're in a 56-game season, in a division where you're going to play a lot of tough teams. It's just they don't have, unfortunately for Jack Johnson, and I wish him the best, and whatever he does after, I hope is good. But he has no role right now with the Rangers if they're going to be successful. Well, I don't care if you know it's a team game, you know, trying to make status uh, decisions. But you can't have the number one pick serving a penalty for too many men on the ice. I don't care what you're doing; the number and overall picks not going in the box well, for too many I, men. But he was the one. Res- he was the one responsible for it. I mean, he's the one to touch the puck. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a bad look. It's a bad look. I get he's not going to kill penalties, and, and his ice time was kind of diminished early on in the game because of the power plays and such. But just put someone else in the box. No, I, I, look, I didn't really think about that. I did notice as soon as he touched the puck, I said they're going to get whistled for it, and they did. 
Um, but I mean, look, I, overall, I thought Lafreniere played okay. You know, I understand his jitters with your first game. You know, you could tell that he's quick. You could tell he's, you know, he's smart with the puck. Um, I just want to see him get. I didn't think last year that Capo Caco got a fair shake playing, you know, with really good players uh, to, enough. When he did, he produced, um, and I think he's going to have a good season this year. I just want to see Lafreniere, you know, give it an opportunity to play 15 to 17 minutes a night with real players. And uh, last night, he played 15 minutes. I thought he played pretty good. Uh, I expect him to be fine moving forward. For somebody who has uh, Lafreniere rookie cards, you better hope he starts playing with Panarin and Zibanejad. Yeah, well, look, uh, you, know, you know, the one, you know, one guy who's consistently gotten better, and we haven't mentioned his name, and I'm sure his name's never mentioned, is Brett Howden. Uh, you know, 63% on the faceoffs last night, the best faceoff guy last night. And, uh, you know, this will never happen, but I wouldn't hate the idea, and it's just based on their options. It's not because I think he's the right guy. This sounds like it's going to be a wild idea. Swapping him and Ryan Strom online. Yeah, hey, anything that takes away Ryan Strom's ice time is well, okay the, with here's me. Here's the problem. Uh, Ryan Strom can be valuable on a third or fourth line because he does create opportunities for others. But the problem is Panarin does the same thing, and they never, neither one of them want to shoot. So, I mean, <laughs> so when you have two guys that their primary thought when they have the puck is to pass, it hurts them. And, and I think Howden's the guy who can go in front of the net. His first thought is usually to shoot or be in front of the net. And I think on a line with Panarin, and I'm not saying he's a long-term option. I'm just saying with this current roster, with his ability to win face-offs, his big body, uh, he might be a better option than Ryan Strom on the first line or second line, however you want to word it. Yeah, it actually always bothers me like unnecessarily when people consider the kreider Buchnevich Zabanejad uh, <laughs> line the first line. It's like anytime Panarin's on the line, that's that's the first line. Yeah, it's the first line, but you know the, the Rangers are in a good position that you have enough good players, despite the result from last night, that you have two lines and you can separate the likes of Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin uh, for the most part and only have to put them together when you find yourself in a critical situation. And you're going to be able to do Lafreniere at some point moving up. You still love Vitaly Kravstov. So, I mean, they're in a good spot there. It's just... Yeah, I mean, people get too caught up in this is the first line, this is the second line. I mean, the Rangers have a 1 and a 1A line, and, you know, they'll be better off for that. I'm a, I'm of the the class of don't screw the line balance. Let's stack the the, the, the top players together. Like, put Panier with Zibanejad. Get Lafreniere with Zibanejad. Put, start to mix these guys. We don't need the depth, the balance, the, the elite teams in the league. They, they don't necessarily do that. It's not... I know Quinn's all about that, and he tries to find the most balance as possible, but just stack these guys you have the the our mvp the rightful mvp of last year on the team you have the number one pick the most hyped number one overall pick in years on your roster you've got a guy who scored 40 goals in 50 games last year to finish the year you know start to play some of these guys together yeah it's an interesting thought and i understand the concept i understand both aspects of it you know i'm a you know i'm not really sure where i stand on it i wish i could give you a better answer than that um i like the idea of having like a super line, but I worry about what happens to lines two, three, and four. But I, you know, on the other end of it, if you have a super line that's going to create opportunity just about every shift, you don't have to worry about lines two, three, and four as much. Um, so it's, I'm not sure where I fall on it. I kind of like how Quinn has handled it, but to me, it just drives me nuts that he puts these two guys together, you know, when he's only in panic mode. 
you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know the Rangers are down two or three goals when Panarin and Zibanejad are on the same line. They do it on the power play, and it obviously works out well because they have a, a solid power play when, when they're on the ice. And then you have the second power play unit in which you put Struva and Fox in, and you're the most talented guys offensively on the power play. That's, yeah. That's and, something else on the power play line, too, that drives me nuts. And Quinn, you know, he does a lot of things that are questionable, but the the number one thing is what you just said, the fact that if they're down two goals entering the third, the the to open the third, Panarin and Zibanejad will be out there together for the whole 20 minutes. And it shouldn't take being down trailing urgency to have that happen. If you start with that from the beginning, you probably wouldn't be down those goals. Yeah, I mean, and... No, I get it, and I'm with you. I, I, again, I'm not sure where I stand on it. I'll tell you, here's another guy in the team that, that's starting to worry me. Um, it's Philip Beadle. Um I, I don't know if he's going to be the offensive player that the Rangers were ever hoping for him to be. Um, I saw absolutely nothing for him from him last night. I understand special teams interfere with a lot of guys, and you have to wait it out. But he's a guy that this year has to take that step that we go from, all right, he's, he looks like he's got some promise to looking like a 20-goal guy, to looking like a 25-goal guy. And I can tell you right now, and I hope I'm wrong, I'm not confident we're going to get that from him. Yeah, no, that's certainly a, a – uh, it's it's something to be worried about, that's for sure. <laughs> but you, you know, said- they're going to – you know, they, you know, they have him in there in that third line, and, and I think he's fine, but they, they have him pegged as your second-line center at some point, and I'm not sure he's ever going to create that kind of offense to be your second line guy yeah well you said you thought this team was a playoff team uh it's no a, it's I, a, I do and i stand by that it's it's the toughest division in the league they've got the islanders again coming up on uh, on saturday um and and this format where you're sort of playing like these baseball type series against teams it's going to lead to I, I feel like you know really intense good hockey big rivalries um things will linger carry over night to night i like this schedule i like this format yeah, it doesn't bother me. It's going to keep you know, it's going to keep these guys you hope safe. Um, you know, as more and more people get vaccinated for the coronavirus, so um, no, it doesn't bother me. I think it's going to lead to it's going to maybe what it's definitely going to do is you know maybe ignite some flames and some old rivalries that that may have been dying out. Um, but and going back to the game last night, and, and this is not in my repertoire of things to do, especially on Twitter, is complaining about the reps. But, man, <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. Right. They had an awful game last night. I mean, the the taking away Truba's goal. I mean, can the ref get in better position so he knows the puck's not covered? Uh, that was awful. <laughs> yeah, he should have been Brendan, behind the net there. Get, how, how do you get Brendan Lemieux for a dive when he was punched in the face? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was punched in the face without expecting it. And I can't. You can't at that point get into his psyche and think about what he was thinking about. You know, it's just uh, that was the, the the refs had a brutal night. Um. Not that that cost the Rangers the game, but it definitely hurt them, um, you know, throughout the game. But, yeah, um, I, I do like the format. I think the Rangers and Islanders are going to be feisty. I think the Rangers and Devils rivalry will reunite, uh, which really hasn't been there since Tortorella almost, you know, had a stroke. And I was throwing, you know, within the, within the first three lines, you know, the first, you know, right off the face of a couple of years ago, everybody was fighting. But um, it should be fun. And, honestly, I've, I've watched – Hockey the first two nights, as many games as I can cram in and go into sleep watching NHL uh, tonight on the NHL Network. It's been great. I'm glad it's back. I hate the fact that there's no fans in the stands. Um, you know, it, it, that to me, that to me hurts the Rangers too. I mean, and probably every team, but you know, teams build off their fans, and 
Um, it's got to be different for the players. I understand why they're doing it. Hopefully, you know, within a few weeks here or a month or a couple months, they can start to let, even if it's 2,500 people into the garden, start watching these games. I think that's going to make a huge difference. But I'm glad it's back. It's fun to watch. A lot of good teams, a lot of good action, a lot of good play. You know, got a lot of good bets you can make now that sports betting yeah. is uh, relatively normalized here in the U.S. So it's great, man. It's, it's awesome to have it back. And we'll have baseball soon. And now the Yankees got DJ back. I'm sure you're happy. Well, so, not yet, but we're we getting there. <laughs> that's going to happen. Yeah. All right, Monza. Well, thanks as always for coming on. Talk Rangers, uh, you know, 56 games in whatever, 110, 116 days, whatever it is. We'll have a lot of opportunities to talk. So thanks again. Yeah, no, not, no, not, no, not many nights off, which is great. Yeah. And I think that's going to help the Rangers. So away we go. All right. Thanks again to Monzo for taking the time to come on and talk about the Rangers. Um, everyone's excited that hockey's back. Everyone's excited the Rangers are back. Now they need to give us a reason to be excited. That'll do it for today. I'll be back on Sunday after Saturday's game against the Islanders. Thanks for listening.